This is a podcast by The Business Times. Welcome to Podcast by The Business Times. I'm your host, Howie Lim. Now, in an earlier podcast, State Street Global Advisors gave us an overview of their insights into the fixed income ETF space for the near future, taking into account uncertainty that's arisen thanks to COVID-19 variants, reaction to warnings of central banks' monetary policy tightening, and inflation. Today, we delve deeper into the Asian bond market in particular and discuss why investors can be certain of possible continued policy support from the region's central banks. Even though markets retreated in January 2022 because of inflationary concerns and global tensions, speaking of which, of course, we have to address the Russia and Ukraine crisis. We speak again to Ng Keng Xiang, Asia Pacific Head of Fixed Income and Head of Singapore at State Street Global Advisors. This episode is brought to you by State Street Global Advisors. King Xiang, happy to have you on the show again. Thank you. We had to mention, of course, what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. That comes to mind global tensions, which then affects markets as well, obviously, right? Why do you think, though, the region's central banks are not in a rush to follow the Fed's more assertive lead? I mean, word on the street is the Fed might hike interest rates as many as six times this year, 2022. Yeah, first of all, the U.S. Federal Reserve obviously look at their own situations and respond accordingly. Now, the U.S. is undergoing through a pretty sharp spike in inflation over the last few months. Now, So therefore, the Fed would have to respond under such circumstances. Now, if you look at Asia central banks, they are obviously responding to different economic environment within the Asia region. And each country has its own economic factors and also special considerations as well. Hence, therefore, I look at the Asian central banks. They would be looking at the specific issues that they are confronting with at the moment and try to calibrate the monetary policy to such a way that would help to achieve their policy objectives. Now, if you look at the countries like China, for instance, they are in a different interest rate cycle in the sense that they are looking to potentially ease or cut interest rates due to the slower growth and also the inflation number is not as strong. The other countries like Korea, and if you look at uh, other countries in this Southeast Asia region, we are seeing that the central banks are speaking up and trying to kind of prepare the market for potential interest rate increase. So therefore, you know, one can't say that the Asian central banks in general would just kind of follow the U.S. step by step. But in a sense that they are fully aware that the U.S. interest rate increases would have implications on the Asian currencies as well as some of the bond market performance. So therefore, we think that the Asian central banks will take these U.S. interest rate projected increases in their own steps and calibrate accordingly to their own local needs here. Mm. Then how necessary is it, King Xiang, to get into each territory's performance policy movements when formulating, say, our fixed income strategies? Yeah, this is a very uh, good question. In fact, if you look at the fixed income investing in this region, you have to look at not just the macro um, policy or macro factors affecting the fundamentals of the economy, but you also need to analyze the fiscal policies as well as the monetary policy. Now, if you look at the Asian markets, some Asian countries are having higher fiscal deficits, but at the same time, they also need to create growth opportunities, and hence the government may have to further increase the fiscal expenditure and therefore increasing the fiscal deficits further. 
And so that itself would be impacting the bond market in a certain way. So when we try to analyze and formulate any fixed income strategies, we need to look into that and try to see what are the potential fixed income bond supplies that will be coming into the market. Naturally, when a fiscal deficit increases, that the bond supply will increase and that would have a negative impact on the bond market performance. At the same time, when we look at the monetary policy, we need to consider what are the policy postures coming from the central banks or monetary authorities. When they are signaling to us as an investor that they are going to be taking a more measured approach, therefore it could buy some time for the bond market to react. So in that sense, the bond market in those particular countries will be a bit more downside protected in the sense that they are not going to sell off that quickly. But those countries where the central banks have indicated that they are going to be more forward-looking as well as kind of front-footing in terms of the policy adjustment, we may see that the bond market yields going up much faster. So essentially, when we look at the Asian fixed income investing, we need to look at each individual country separately and delve deeper into its own fundamental and what are the driving forces that could shape the bond market performance. Right. If you're looking into each territory, though, what's of note, you think, particularly in Singapore, which just announced Budget 2022, or, well, in February anyway, on the back of MAS's surprise off-cycle tightening of policy earlier in the year? And, of course, it's inflation everywhere, right? That's correct. If you look at the Singapore side of the uh, macro fundamentals, clearly we are seeing the inflation numbers going up. You can see that. Uh, across many sectors, especially the food. Uh, if you're driving a car, you see the fuel prices gone up significantly. And hence, I guess the MAS did surprise the market earlier this year with an off-cycle move in terms of policy um, announcements. But going forward, we'd expect that given the increasing pressures that we are seeing in the inflation side, it is still quite likely that the MAS may continue to maintain its current posture of a tightening stance to the exchange rate policies. And hence, from a fixed income standpoint, uh, we may expect the, the bond yields to go up further. Now, the short end rates obviously have gone up quite a lot already that we have seen the adjustment made. But I think in the medium to long term, this trend may continue. Mm. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. We've been speaking to Ng Kingxiang, Asia-Pacific Head of Fixed Income and Head of Singapore at State Street Global Advisors. This episode is brought to you by State Street Global Advisors. Let's also talk about how Asian bonds are perhaps facing their worst performance since March 2020. But they're still doing better, right, than their U.S. peers, are they? Why is that, though? If I look at the Asian bonds markets, um, it kind of can separate them from uh, some of the countries uh, that may be behaving quite differently, right? If you look at, for instance, the China bonds. Now, China bonds, because the central bank or the PBOC itself are looking at keeping rates easy and potentially cut rates, hence we have seen a very stable position of the Chinese bond yields. In some cases, we have seen yields declining. While the U.S. bond yields have spiked up quite a lot, like over the weekend, we have seen U.S. yields gone up significantly. Hence, the outperformance of the US, of the Chinese bond versus that of the U.S. is more pronounced in the case for China. But for the rest of the Asian markets, the outperformance is less. 
Now, that's mainly driven by the fact that the U.S. bond yields are rising much faster than the rest of the Asian countries. Hence, as a result, we are seeing the Asian bonds continue to do better, where the focus for the market right now is on the U.S. rate increases. So that's a very natural kind of performance that we are seeing. And even in the medium to long term, we may expect that the Asian central banks will continue to look at the monetary policy in a more cautious manner and trying to buy some time to adjust. We think that some of the Asian central banks over the next few months uh, and into the later part of this year may only then start to raise interest rates. But of course, there are some Asian countries that are moving far ahead. But a majority uh, of the median of the Asian central banks will very much likely still be keeping rates unchanged. So therefore, the outperformance of Asian bonds, I believe, that would continue. But at the same time, the flow of capitals might create a surprise. Having a local market to be stable on its own is not enough. We need to watch how the capital flows globally are moving. With the rise in U.S. interest rates, that may create more market volatility in the market. And hence, as a result, you may see asset allocation shifts which are taking place that can help to impact some of the Asian markets. And in some cases, global investors may pull some money out from Asia as well as a result of the asset allocation changes. So I think going forward, volatility may continue to increase even for Asian bond markets. Mm. So then what themes should Asian bond investors consider as we stare down the barrel of this very abnormal 2020? Inflation everywhere, muted global growth, etc. I think for Asian bonds investors, while they are going to continue to focus on the theme of inflation, the focus on these Asian central banks' reaction functions, they also need to consider what are the core kind of investment themes that will continue to last throughout this year into next year and, and forward as well. That is focusing on the fundamental of Asian fixed income in a medium to longer term perspective. Having Asian fixed income in your portfolio would help to mitigate some of the volatilities and create the diversification that you need. This is where I think investors may consider investing in Asian bonds through a diversified approach, such as buying an Asian bond ETF, such as PAVE, that can help them to create a more resilient portfolio. Now, I think the theme for Asian bond investors this year is managing the volatility of your portfolio returns, managing the downside risk, and carefully adjust your portfolio allocations accordingly and allocate money to an area or a sector, such as Asian fixed income, for instance, that can help to create some stability in your portfolio. Because some of the developed markets, we will see a lot of market reactions coming through the Asian, through the central banks that they have in terms of interest rate increases, as well as some of the capital flows that I've talked about earlier. Right. And you still feel optimistic about Asian bonds, King Xiang? They'll remain resilient even in the face of all of these conditions and tighter monetary conditions as well. I think in the coming months, the volatility will increase. So I think near term, while longer term, where I have a better view a more optimistic outlook on Asian fixed income. But I think in the immediate short-term period, we may see an increased volatility due to the fact that the U.S. interest rate spikes just begun, plus also some of the capital flows may continue for a while. I think the stability will come in the later part of the year once the Asian Central Bank has started to move, raise a bit of interest rates, 
that can start to create and calm the market a little bit, seeing that the Asian banks have started to react. So I think the near term, while it can be a little bit more bumpy ride for Asian fixed income, I think we may have to sit it out for a few more months towards the later part of the year that you can see some stability coming back. But that's always been the case that we should be adhering to, right? As investors, time in the market, it's a long game that we're looking at. So how can investors go about finding opportunities then, King Xiang, within bond funds? I think at this point in time for investors, if you are looking at fixed income, you can kind of dissect it into different areas, right? So if you are looking at for instance, there's developed markets versus emerging market. That's also one consideration. But if you were to pick the emerging markets, try to pick an emerging market sector or area whereby the volatility is lower. Traditionally, Asian fixed income markets have much lower volatility compared to, for instance, Latin America or Eastern Europe type of uh, emerging market bonds. So I think that's one area of consideration for opportunities. The other area would be for investors to look at if you are looking at rates versus credit, right? So that's another area. So if you're investing into the credit fixed income market, you would be able to enjoy some yield pickup, additional yield spreads pickup that you can get for your portfolio. And here, I think that's an area you also need to pay attention into which area of spreads that you're going to look into. Now, in cases like uh, investment grade corporate bonds, they do offer some stability, uh, in some cases whereby and if you're investing into some property names, for instance, you have seen that recently some of the Asian names are very challenged. So I think in this case, investors need to be more cautious and taking a more um, careful approach in terms of allocating capital into these uh, credit sectors. Thanks so much for the good advice, King Xiang, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. We've been speaking to Ng King Xiang, Asia-Pacific Head of Fixed Income and Head of Singapore at State Street Global Advisors. This episode is brought to you by State Street Global Advisors. That was a podcast by The Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Do note, all analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast are for your general information only. You should not rely on them in making any decision. Please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of or reliance on any analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast. SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services, or information of any third parties.